What's up, everybody? We're going to get right into this video after a really quick announcement. we got to talk about YouTube. Uh, apparently, we're getting a little more popular, and because of that, we got a sponsor. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Come, come on, it's just Jenny. It's Jenny Kyle. It's just Jenny Kyle. She didn't even give us any money. Jesus. Jenny Kyle's doing a masquerade tribute hunt. Um, you can find out more about it at MysteriousWritings.com. Um, it's all for charity. There's like six different hunts. Um, they're donating all the proceeds to St. Jude and a couple of other charities. Uh, the podcast donated a uh, drawing from John Palancar. So if you sign up over there, you you might win that. Um, I know you guys don't like sponsors, but like, we're getting more popular. It's probably going to happen. It's just the nature of the beast. Maybe I'm wrong on this one, but for me, the beast doesn't include selling out. Garth, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Well, then I, I guess we can get started. We don't really need an intro. Like, everybody knows who you guys are, right? Like, anybody who's watching this that doesn't know who you guys are needs medical attention. But they live in my house. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both for coming on and talking to us today. Um, ben, we'll start with you. You've been posting a lot of photos um, recently, and uh, a lot of them seem to have Joellen in them. And I think before before you started posting these pictures, we didn't realize you guys sort of went out together and, and had adventures getting, getting these uh, sculptures photographed. You know, I actually forgot that I had taken pictures of her on some of the shoots. And actually, my favorite, favorite, favorite filmmaker in the entire world is Alfred Hitchcock. And we know from 1928 or 9, when he did The Lodger, he was in every single movie that he ever made. And so Joe Allen is sort of like living that. I live an Alfred Hitchcock existence. <laughs> Maybe Stan, Stan Lee would probably be a better, like Stan Lee's in all the Marvel movies, Joe Allen's in all the, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Stan Lee's in all the Marvel movies, right. Or exactly. Stephen, Stephen King, maybe. Stephen King, I think, does that. But when I did the one of the, uh, of the Philharmonic Arc, uh, Joe Allen was sitting in the theater, you know, I, th I think it was Columbia University. Didn't they have a theater there or something? I'm not sure where it was. First, I thought it was City Center. I'm going to City Center tonight. So I'm going to check out the seats in the curtain. So Joellen was sitting there, and I guess I sort of forgot that she was there, and she should not have been in the picture. But luckily for us, I made a mistake. So she is in some of those photographs. And when I, when I got involved with this again and went through my 61 contact sheets. I, I look with a loop. I go, oh my God, there's Joe Ellen. I got to make this print. This is incredible. You, you have 61 contact sheets for, for The Secret? 61 contact sheets. And I, I really can't remember. We didn't shoot everything with slide film, with, you know, with color. We did do sh shoot some. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that when I did the Henny Youngman at the Friars Club in New York, because Byron was a member at the Friars Club. 
we didn't have a lot of time. Henny said 30 minutes and that's it, you know? So I think I said, you know, Byron, let's just shoot, let's just shoot the thing, in, you know, with color and we'll see what happens. You always can convert. And unfortunately, either I never got back the slide or I just don't know where they are. They might actually be behind Joellen on one of those shelves because you have a lot of stuff up there. Yeah, I'm learning wow. Joellen never throws anything away. <laughs> That's right. I thought I was pretty bad. She's actually worse than I am. And I, you know, I reached out to Sandy a couple of times, Byron's wife, and she's looked through stuff and can't find it, cannot find it. And I think Bantam just either didn't give it back to me or I just don't know where it is. I really can't tell you that. I Maybe it's in one of the casts somewhere buried. I have no idea. I can tell you why, why I went on the trips that were uh, local in New York with Ben is because I know how to move the, the sculptures because I could put them in different positions sometimes, you know, just to give more variety. A lot of people don't know how they were made. They're, they're wire mesh and cloth, right? Yeah, they're made out of cloth. I mean, I think for the longest time, we, we kind of thought that they were stiff, that they were sculpted out of something and then covered in cloth. No, they're kind of, you know, they're pretty bendy. Oh, every time you do that. It... <laughs> they're kind of bendy. So Joellen has this class coming up where she teaches people how to make that chair that she just showed. And uh, she has a promo for it. And she's like, they're, she did just that in the promo. She's like, they're really bendy and you can't break them. And she just throws it on the ground. And I'm, I'm watching this and my jaw drops. Like, don't break the art. <laughs> I sold one because of that. I was in California and there was a gallery that I had some things in at Los Angeles. And a woman really liked one of the pieces that I had, which was a fox playing a Radivarius and a rabbit and a crow holding some grapes on a couch. It was about this big. And she said, oh, well, we live in earthquake country, so I probably shouldn't buy it. And I said, no, look, <laughs> I threw it on the floor. I said, it doesn't break. And she bought it. <laughs> This makes me feel better because I have I have a I have a Joellen statue. I have a I have it's called Bird in the Hand, and it's it's legitimately like in a case right now. And this means I can take it out because I was worried that we might like my dog would hit the bookshelf or something and it would fall and break. So it's in a case. Dogs now like I can take it out. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. They do. Um, one nice dog named uh, uh was a not a Saluki. It might have been a Saluki. I was working on a doll head. This is many years ago in off in Holton, Maine, way, way up in Maine. And this lovely Saluki brought me that I had been working on as a gift. <laughs> well, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> it was a nice dog. Ben, if I might, I've been uh, I've been looking at a lot of your photos as well, not just the ones that you post for the secret and stuff like that, but like just quite a bit of your portfolio and a lot of it seems very incidental like do you ever work with a team of people to set up a shot or do you just like have that type of eye where you can just see an edge of a bridge that looks really beautiful in this sunlight and then you take a picture of it like can you explain kind of your process there sure for first of all i work alone you know i i occasionally go out on walks with other photographers i almost never get anything when i go up by myself and I'm a, I'm a people person. I love being with people. But when I create my, my cityscapes, my water towers, 
I'm usually alone. It's just, you know, I use a lo- I use a lot a long lens for my water towers and my cityscapes, because a lot of times, if I see a fire escape or a water tower and I'm right under it, I can't get the right angle I want. So I got to go back a block or two, at least. So I've got this lens that I use on Olympus camera that's a 40 to 150, which actually translates to an 80 to 300. And so with a 300 millimeter lens, you could be pretty far away and get the right angle. Um, But, you know, to me, New York is water towers and fire escapes. Uh, If you go see the new West Side Story movie, you'll understand what I'm talking about because Steven Spielberg uses well, obviously he uses fire escapes because Maria and Tony sing on the fire escape. But a lot of Spielberg's or early promos before he showed one scene from the movie was like, da-da-da, da-da-da. And every shot was a water tower. I was like so thrilled. So, of course, I've tried to contact Steven Spielberg, but I have not been too successful. At that. Brett, Brett could probably help you. Yet. They're friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a shot. Let me text him. I'm going to text him. I know his sister because she's a documentary filmmaker and I've done some work with her, but I haven't spoken to her lately. But, you know, I just roam the streets. I get up incredibly early in the morning. You know, I I get up at 530. You know, if it's a summer, maybe a little later because the sun comes up a little later. But and I'll hop on a subway, hop on a hop on a car, uh, a bus and go to a different neighborhood in New York City. Um. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I always, you know, I'll take pictures till about 8.39 and the sun gets too strong. I'll find a cafe to have a cappuccino and a croissant or two, maybe a chocolate croissant. Go home and then later in the day, I'll do the same thing. I, I do the same thing wherever I go. If I'm in Paris and if I'm in Scopolis, Greece, which I've been shooting a lot lately, which is where they filmed the movie Mamma Mia. Um, I, it's, it's how I work. I just, I'm not good with other people around me because they're, they're actually too distracting. They go, come on, let's go. You know, it's time to go. I'm like, I'll stay in a corner for an hour and a half to get the shot. I have no, I have a lot of patience and you've got to have a lot of patience to do the th- type of photography. I have the famous moonrise picture by um, uh, on, um, Ansel Adams. He sat on top of a woody car in, in New Mexico for 12 and a half hours to get that moonrise. Okay, 12 and a half hours. If that's what it takes, I haven't, I've had not had to do that, thank God. But, um, and I've, there are certain times I get the shot and I'm not happy. I come back a few days later and shoot it again. Where did you get that t shirt? My, uh, my son uh, and his partner actually just gave me the t shirt. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that cool? That was a Father's Day gift last year. Yeah. So did you have to change your your kind of work dynamic then when you were do, working on the secret? First of all, when I worked on the secret, I was I was um, <clears throat> I was around thirty years old. Okay, uh, I I think I was married one year, still married to the same woman, Joellen. She knows her, uh, and um, I didn't shoot like that at all. I didn't have a three hundred millimeter lens. We shot film. Okay, so we really didn't. You know the. The difference between film and digital is the one thing is that with digital, you know, you can see what you've got. With film, especially with color film, you really never knew. I mean, after a while, I sort of knew, but you never really knew until you got the film back. And that's why 
on some of the secret photos, I have a contact sheet of um, uh, where I might shoot the same sculpture in 36 exposures. I might shoot it like three different angles, but seven or eight different exposures just to get the right exposure. Um, you know, and that's how I shot the secret. And um, I didn't know much about what I was shooting. Joellen, I knew a little bit more than I knew. I was handed these things and said, all right, go shoot it here, go shoot it there. And Joellen will tell you, she had a list, which I didn't even know about. Maybe I did know about it, but I don't remember. Well, I have, I didn't you have a list of how they should be shot, I don't think. I had a list of which, which ones were completed and which ones I had to do. And, um, but I didn't even know the names of any of these sculptures when I shot them. I, maybe a few of them, but not most of them. So what was the extent of the two of you working together? Well, the good thing is, is that I started doing the sculptures in New York City. So Joellen was able to go out with me, help me, you know, set them up, change their form. Because, you know, being soft sculptured and wire mesh, you can move them around. Uh, I do remember... Uh, I, I usually carry duct tape with me. I don't carry duct tape anymore, but when I knew I, I, knew I was gonna do this project, I said, duct tape might come in handy. And when we were on this Staten Island Ferry shooting the Spirit of 76, we started out, I mean, I knew I wanted to get a shot sitting on the rail of the ferry, but I said, uh-uh, I'm not doing this the first shot because I don't wanna lose this. I don't wanna lose that sculpture. So we shot the uh, spirit um, on the on one of the benches inside the ferry. I don't know if you guys have ever been on a Staten Island ferry. It's a great, it's the best ride there is. It's free now, you know. It's like it's amazing. It's it's free again. For a while, it was they charged and they dropped it, and um, and then at the very end, you know, we went out to the back of the ferry, which was going towards Staten Island, and I wanted to get to the World Trade Center, and now. In retrospect, that was a pretty important thing to get, I guess. Um, I said, Joellen, duct tape. And she said, oh yeah, Ben, duct tape. <laughs> so there's a lot of duct, there's a lot of duct tape under the rear end of the spirit of 76. <laughs> and we did it quickly. And we did it quickly. I shot about maybe 12 exposures of that. And I was only happy with two or three of them. And I wanted, I wanted the wake in the water to look like a certain way. And I was pretty lucky I got it just the way I wanted it. And that was it, really. Yeah, I was there mostly to, to mostly say, don't be afraid. They're not fragile. Nothing can happen. Do whatever you need to do in order for it to work. It's fine. They <laughs> float. <laughs> Wait, I, I needed that. Whoops. Yeah, I mean, we went to Central Park in the snow. And we shot the uh, Toronto, what's it called? The Toronto, uh, we shot that in Central Park. And then we went to uh, Central Park we, where we shot uh, the Wooly Bully. And there's an eagle uh, sculpture about a, maybe a 500 feet away from the Bandshell at 72nd Street Bandshell in Central Park. And we propped it up on the eagle. And the second shot, I could not remember where we shot that second Wooly Bully. I actually thought I shot that Oyster Bay, Long Island, which is where Teddy Roosevelt had his house called Sagamore Hill. And I, I recommend a visit to that house. It's, the, it's one of the most homey houses I've ever been in. It's an incredible house. Great porch. And uh, 
then a few weeks ago, somebody asked me where I was shot and I really didn't know. And I put in, uh, in Google, I put in Cannon Monument around New York City, Westchester, Long Island. And the minute the picture came up of the Cannon Monument in Katona, I said, that's it, Katona. And I used to go to Katona. I had a friend in Katona, but I'm not sure why I was there. But I put it on top of the, on top of the cannon. And of course, they cropped out of the plaque. So I had the original. So the plaque is back in there now. It's hard to read some of the names, but uh, if you go on Google, it has a list of all the names in that plaque. So Byron didn't ever tell you where to shoot things. Uh, when I went to Washington, hey, Byron, I'm going to Washington with Betsy. We're going to spend a weekend with some friends. You're going to Washington. <laughs> uh, here, gave me the, the left. And right wing, we, uh, you know, Eagle. And uh, I wrapped it up. We put it in a suitcase. And, you know, we, it was a carry-on. You know, it was a carry-on suitcase. I didn't get stopped by anybody. He said, I want you to try to shoot at the Washington Monument uh, the, or the White House and definitely the Capitol. The Washington Monument was a no. It just didn't work. It was, it was, too, it was too hot. You know, the monument's so tall, it would have looked ridiculous. I would have had to spend three, four hours. And there were tourists all over the place. Went to the White House. And I remember there was a demonstration going on. And just, again, it just didn't work. We took a cab because we were in a hurry. And we got to the Capitol. And it was pretty empty. I just put on top of this wall. I shot it. A few people stopped and looked. And one guy asked me a question. I said, oh, it's for a book I'm doing to someone. And uh, they said, okay, and they, they walked away. Could you imagine putting that sculpture on a wall at the Capitol now and not even getting arrested or shot or something? I mean, it, just, I mean, forget about it. I mean, Homeland Security would have oh, had yeah. me so quickly. The, so, <laughs> so you're saying that uh, you told him you were going on a trip. Uh-huh. And then, and then he said, what would be great is if you could shoot this in in one of these three places or 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 all of them all three and anything else that you know you might think might be interesting um i had a pretty busy weekend with uh, with family and friends we were doing a lot of things and so i spent a couple hours doing this and then my wife said i think you got the shot and i did the capital i mean when you think about what's going on now actually i think of the three things the capital is actually where it should have been the capital is where, where, where all the laws are made. That's where all the simps and the trogs go. <laughs> and then the, they, they meld. <laughs> that figure is actually, one of the ones that carries over to today the best. Like, its description is still spot on. Absolutely. You know, what, you know, George, you know where would have been a good place to shoot that? There's a very famous hotel called the Mayflower Hotel. I should have taken it to the bar in the Mayflower Hotel. Because where do all these politicians hang out anyway? They hang out at the bar, right? Where it all gets done. Um, just to take a step back, how did you get involved in all of this? I, I used to sell my artwork out of a gallery on Madison Avenue called Julie Artisan's Gallery. And it was very close to uh, the offices of 21st Century Publications, which was... Uh, it was heavy metal magazine, but it was also 
National Lampoon. And um, Byron might have seen the work in Julie's. Um, I did some work for Heavy Metal. I can't remember what what year that was, and for Playboy, and I, I don't know. So I think Playboy was 1978, if I'm not, I think. 78. It, it might have been that, and then um, the person I was living with at the time was uh, doing uh, a cartoon in uh, Heavy Metal, I think, called, I forget what it was called. Anyway, we did some cartoon work in heavy metal and I did a cover. You shot the cover, Ben. Yes, yeah, yeah, I shot the cover, yeah. For heavy metal. So you two, you you knew each other before. Oh, no, no, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't know you, I didn't know you yet. No, we, but how did you get? Well, Byron said he found this, this artist who's gonna do these sculptures for the book. And then we had a meeting, we had a meeting and it was you, me, uh, I, I I don't know if you had the meeting with Sean Kelly and Ted Mann or not. Well, I, I was, was in there. All, I was in the offices with them once, but yeah, you might. Yeah, you probably were there. Um, and that's how we met. And I was really impressed with the work. I mean, Joe Ellen showed at a gallery that is was so amazing. I mean, I think Julie didn't. Did you or someone used to make jackets for Elton John that exhibited there or something? God, Elton John had about ten of my pieces. Oh, yeah. a lot of ce celebrities would go in there. So I went, you know, I'm Justin Hoffman. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, her stuff is, her stuff, I mean, when you see it live. Mary you know, Tyler Moore. I don't know. Demi Moore. Mary All Tyler Moore. All people. <laughs> yeah. Moore's. A lot of people. Wow. All the All Moore's. The Moore's right. All That's the Moore's. incredible. Mostly comedians. Robin Williams. You know. You have oh, Robin Williams. Williams. Oh, Robin Williams. Yeah, right. <laughs> you like oh, that guy. <laughs> Joe Allen, did we do the Beach Boy book first? Joe Allen works on the Beach Boy book? Uh, yeah. yeah we did, Joe Allen did two or three pieces uh, for the Beach Boys. Yeah. Um, that was in 1979. Okay, so that's it. We, we worked on the Beach Boy book and we went up to a loft where someone had built a set and Dennis, was it Dennis Wilson was sh sitting on a crescent moon? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I have. And then there was one of a vegetable garden. That was somebody else. You didn't, but no, but you did the sculptures. No, I did not. You did I not do the sculptures? Ellen, though. I think the sculptor was named Joe Ellen, but it was a different Joe Ellen. <laughs> really? Okay. It wasn't me. But so, so we did work on that together first. Um, I know we worked on Fritz Leiber, but that was after, after The Secret. You know, oddly enough, John Palancar did the cover for that book too. Yes. Well, it makes sense. He was, he was doing work for Byron, you know, and he was, John's very talented, so. It's just the amount of, amount of projects that all of you guys worked on together. But that was a long time ago. You know, you, you worked on a project and then you didn't, I worked, I was always making the doll figures for my movie. So, you know, in between, and that's why you asked me a question once if I had ever uh, repurposed any of the dolls. The only one was the Playboy one, which was the portrait of Robert Morley turned into the unreal estate broker. But there weren't any others that were repurposed. So there I, weren't any that you had already made before the book that were used maybe, for the book? Maybe the winter, maybe the Toronto 
uh, one, but I can't really remember because afterwards I would bring them to the gallery and if anybody, you know, I sold them. So I can't remember if I had already made it. But definitely the Robert Morley one was. Which is brilliant. So I guess, I guess sort of like, sort of like with uh, John Palancar's work, once he painted the painting, he got to keep the painting. So once you made the sculpture, you got to keep the sculpture. And then, so I'm guessing a lot of the secret sculptures just went up for sale in the gallery. Exactly. They're out there. <laughs> if <Has> nobody <laughs> realized that they had one all these years later and like contacted you and said, you're never going to believe this, but I bought. No, some of them I gave away, you know. They didn't seem suitable for, for the gallery, so I gave them away. Some of them were just quick, like de devil dogs and things like that. I, I couldn't really sell them, but they photographed well. I've looked for one of these things for years. I've come close to being able to buy one. I don't think the they only, were signed. <laughs> huh? They probably weren't signed either. <laughs> that would make it harder. <laughs> I think the, the only one I've ever seen come up for sale was the geodesic gnome. And on I was eBay, like right? a week late on that one. Was that yeah, on eBay? eBay. Yeah, eBay, yeah. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. It sold yeah. for like 450 bucks or something. I hey, listen, I had 15 copies. I had 15 copies of the book, okay? I gave one to each of my sons, my sister-in-law. I gave one to a friend in San Francisco. And then I gave one to my wife's friend, an Italian woman who already was in her 80s. Uh, my wife had worked for her in Italy. And she passed away. And just a few months ago, I can't remember who it is on George on your Facebook page. Somebody contacted me and said they have a book, and it's signed to Consuelo, all the best, Ben Asin. Okay. So Consuelo died. <laughs> uh, there were a couple of people in charge of her estate. I'm sure they said, "All right, this book, let's sell it to a used bookstore or something." I don't know. It ends up in Florida. <laughs> I mean. All these years later, so when the guy read me the ins the inscription, in fact, he sent me a picture of the inscription. I go, "Oh my God, that's Betsy's friend Consuelo." That see, that's what's so amazing about this, this whole, whole thing, thing is what. And in in uh, in light of that, what are what are both of your impressions of of here we are, forty years later? Isn't isn't this year the fortieth year? Yeah. Yes, the fortieth anniversary. Yeah. You're on a Zoom yeah. call with a couple with a with three crazy people <laughs> that are scattered mm -hmm. throughout the country talking to us about this project that you did all those years ago. Can't we? Uh, is it? <laughs> what is your impression of that, Joellen? I'll let you. It's bizarro land. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we live in that land. <laughs> well, because you know, it was a job. It was a job. I was, you know, 32 years old. Or I don't know. And that all I did was I made things day after day. I barely, you know, I, luckily the gallery was like a block and a half from my house. So I'd put everything in a black garbage bag and bring it to the gallery and then take it out and you go, oh, <laughs> you know. So I, it, I had a very short, small existence. And if I didn't have a sister in Spain, I never would have gone anywhere. <laughs> now it's like, well, what do you mean somebody wants your, you know, impression of, is this a cask or is this 
an actual piece. It's it's pretty. I mean, I, I mean, I wrote this book off like the minute it was done. We all did. We all did. And you know, not that I was doing a lot of books. I wasn't doing a lot of books, but I just said, Are "You kidding me? No way." Well, I think it only sold like ten thousand copies, right? No. It didn't sell anything. No, it was it was a failure. It was a failure as a book. I mean, it didn't look. It's you know, West Side, the new West Side Story is a failure. It made $11 million. It cost $125 million to make. So, I mean, it happens a lot. It happens a lot in book publishing. Um, happens all the time. For context, West Side there, there are more though. people in our Facebook group than copies that were sold. Now, we now <laughs> have, surpassed, you have like 11, yeah, 12, we surpassed right. 10,000 some like a year ago or something right. like that. That's just yeah. people who right. have a Facebook page. And I mean, if you think worldwide about how popular this still is, I mean, this is has to be mind blowing for you guys for this. I mean, we think about this all day, every day well, still. I don't throw anything out. So I came across all this stuff. That has no useful, I mean, it's not going to help you at all. But, I mean, I found something that I think was a description of the different images on the casks. Can you hold it up? Can well, you hold it up and show it to us? But you can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why not? <laughs> well, I, I think it is because it said Scandinavia was circled. And it said key only on it. And it says trolls and or elves, very Viking. The elves, uh, tough, maybe they row. <laughs> that's, that's what it said for, I mean. That's really cool. Like that could be a really I'm important gonna, document to the secret hunt. <laughs> well, I don't think so because that was just what was on the cask. That has nothing to do with finding oh, We'll figure things, out a way to make it work. So if you would like all of that archived, by the way, <laughs> I will put you in my will. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, I meant was each of the different creatures on the cast were a different, were representing a different country, huh. like Scandinavia, the Celts, the Lowlands, England, France, Spain. Yeah, we we've we found that there there are twelve figures on the cast. There's twelve, um, twelve treasures. Each each cast has the figure that represents that nation painted. Yeah. The rest of them are unpainted. Okay, I didn't know that. But I don't remember that. <laughs> Can you elaborate a little bit on the process of you and him collaborating on making these dolls, like the concepts for them and things? Yes, I can. So. Um, for example, um, the Toronto Ogre, it said, uh, I must have done it beforehand because it said Joellen's and then in quotes winter and then uh, with, a, with a beaver, you know, like a mask rather than a horse mask. So I had already made that and he told me that would be fine, but give it a beaver mask instead of a horse. It must have had a horse mask or the unreal estate broker, which I guess is, was the Playboy illustration. It said, 
<laughs> I don't know. This might be politically incorrect. I don't know. <laughs> Women who look like real estate agents. <laughs> and there's more, but I'm not going there. Bird on a for sale sign. That's the end. <laughs> and there, you know, the Union Jack. I don't know. Um, Pilgrim. Uh, female Puritan costume, reading from a black book, shaking finger admonishingly perched on stocks. Well, we, we didn't do that. It was a wonderful shot with her holding up something to cover the genitals of a sculpture in Central Park uh, at Columbus Circle. So that was a great, that was one of my favorites, actually. Did he ever describe the dolls like in a con and pardon me if, if dolls is a pejorative term, but um, did he ever describe the sculptures uh, like in context of the treasure hunt part of the book? Like, did you ever talk about that at all? I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know. All I knew is that I had a job for a year with an advance, $100 advance, and I got to keep them when they were done. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's all. I didn't know anything at all about the treasure part. So you didn't even really know what the pro what the project was, or, or sorry, you knew your. Well, I knew I knew what the project was, but I didn't know. Maybe I didn't care. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that it was. Really sorry about that. I really, it, I had a life. <laughs> sorry. We don't have one. I, would let, I, want, yeah, I, want, I want. I want one back. <laughs> I guess too. That question could apply to Ben as well. Like when you were setting up for the shots and stuff. Like, was did he ever, you know, discuss the treasure hunt when it came to the shots you were taking? Well, I went to Florida, where I shot the unreal estate broker because I was going to visit family with my wife, and uh, I had an uncle. I said, I need an empty, I need a huge empty piece of land. Byron said, try to find a piece of land that's, you know, there's nothing built on it. And at the time in 1981, there was a town called Kendall, which really wasn't a town. It was most famous for a place called Shorty's Ribs, which is still there, by the way, and the best barbecue there is. And I remember food more important to me. And uh, he took me out there. It's actually, south of University of Miami, where my oldest son ended up going to college. And uh, I took the sculpture in the chair. I sat it, I found this fence, it said for sale. <laughs> I just plopped it down. I don't think we were there for more than 30 minutes. Took the shot, then went to Shorty's Ribs. And to me, that day was more important for me to get my ribs than shoot the unreal estate broker. But I have to say about for Joe Ellen, you don't understand as an artist to be able to exhibit on Madison Avenue is a big deal. And she's not going to say that, but it's a big deal. It was my living. I didn't think any further than oh, I can pay the rent. This is what we all. This is what all all artists strive for is to have. They're worth either exhibited in a museum, a gallery, but Madison Avenue, it's incredible, especially then. Yeah, it's just how nonchalant Joe Ellen's like, yeah, I designed things for Elton John, yeah, whatever. Elton John, yeah. You know, well, it's just I, Elton John. I never met, the only person I met was um, Jim, uh, 
um, what's his name, Jim Henson. I had to make, I had yeah. to make a uh, a portrait of his art director as a bird with a pith helmet and everything. <laughs> it was, you know, at, at the time I was working for him doing kind of slave labor. He said, well, how do you like working here? I said, I have a headache every night. It's not creative. He said, well, maybe you should work in London. Had a different, uh, you know, a film studio there, I guess. I said, that sounds good. <laughs> Jim Henson wants me to fly to London. That's fine. Why no, not? no, he didn't. He just suggested maybe I wouldn't get a headache if I was doing something else. <laughs> I didn't last. That job didn't last. But my husband, um, Andrew uh, Wilner, uh, when I went there for an interview, there was a great table there. It was like, it was three hands holding up the top of the table that went into little knees and then feet at the bottom. And I said, who made that table? And they told me, and then I forgot about it. And then I went to a party and I met this nice man and he said, where do you work? I said, oh, I'm Henson Associates. He said, oh, you probably saw my work there. I went, you made the table. <laughs> well, it's my husband. <laughs> Oh, I never knew that. Oh, that's a great story. Wow. So anyway, we didn't know a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that seems to be sort of the, the... So there's two... The way the treasure hunters refer to this book, there's the front of the book and the back of the book. And the vast majority of the people that we've talked to about the back of the book have said, like, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the treasure hunt. We really didn't know a whole lot about the treasure hunt. Um, some searchers still think that there's a, some searchers think that the treasure hunts in the front of the book, but the key to solving the treasure hunts in the back of the book, it's really, it's really kind of strange. So, um, you know how yeah. many shots in total you took for the secret? Pardon? Do you know how many shots in total you took for the secret? Well, I have 61 contact sheets, so it's got to be, I think it's probably a little more, because I, I noticed in some of the contact sheets, they're actually two different sculptures. So it's got to be, it's, it's over 60, that I know for sure. What is a contact sheet? I happen, to, I happen to have a contact sheet here, hold it. This is from a book I did for Byron. This is not a setup. <laughs> this is a contact sheet. It might be hard to see because hold on one second. Let me just get rid of uh, my background for a second. Hold on. All right. Um, uh, let's see. No background, right? Okay. Um, George, how do I do this? Oh, none. Okay, here we go. So this is a contact sheet, okay? And actually, I showed this to George the other day. Right down here, there's a picture. Oops, in a let me get rid of this preference thing here. There's a picture down here. It's really hard to see. It's at the bottom of a bookstore. Uh, it's really hard to see, right, George? Yeah. But in that picture is Fritz Leiber, the science fiction writer, with uh, a woman named uh, Joe Ellen Trilling and, and, a, and a designer whose name is Alex J, who is like a real mystery man right now. <laughs> so, um I'll uh, I'll put the picture up so everybody can yeah, see it. Or yeah, Ben will. Somebody will. Yeah, when you edit it down. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I sent it to uh, I sent it to Alex, and he was like, "I remember Fritz. 
I'm not sure who the rest of the people are. <laughs> I was like, well, that's Joe Allen. And <laughs> I didn't interact with a lot of people back then. Uh, I didn't really know. I didn't, I didn't know a lot of people. So, you know, job was the job. And what the people that I met, of course, Ben, uh, Ben and I worked together. So a little bit. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of saw spoken about, about your work job, but Ben's right. Like you having art on Madison Avenue is a big deal that most artists would scream from the rooftops about. And you know, your personality, I guess you're just like, eh, yeah, whatever. It's Madison Avenue. <laughs> it was my job. You know, I felt different about painting than I did about the dolls. So the dolls, I didn't mind making them, spending in a month or a couple of weeks on one, and then just letting it go. I didn't mind at all. Right. But somehow the paintings, you know, I had an exhibit on um, 58th Street and Park Avenue, and the two-thirds of the paintings sold on the opening night. And I got so traumatized, I couldn't pick up a brush for 10 years. <laughs> it was so scary. That kind of that kind of success that it was. So I, you know, it's your 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 paintings are they're amazing because they're like they're like glimpses into nursery rhymes. Right? Well, they're all um they're all personal. You know, they're all things that have happened to me or you know, but trans and anthropomorphically expressed. So, anyway, so that's why it was really fun to work on this book because everything was sort of anthropomorphic. You know, they were humans, but they were animals, but they were, you know, humans, but they were fairies or ogres or something. So that was... They were concepts, yeah. right? Like you were turning concepts into, you know, into people and animals. And that was the easy part. <laughs> so, and, and so back, yeah. to, back to your... So this thing happens for a year. It's work. You do it. Probably had fun. Moved on. Attention really? goes away, right? Yeah. You start doing, you guys start doing other stuff. So in the meantime, people are looking for casks, right? So in, in uh, 83, I want to say the first one is, is found uh, in Chicago. Right. I that's what I was going to ask. So 2004, another one gets found. So like. I knew that. I didn't know. I didn't know it was 1983. And then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So right away one gets found. So. Byron's probably excited about that and okay, good. So these are going to get found. So, but then, you know, what is 2004, like 20 years later from that, uh, another one yeah. was found in Cleveland. So that's number two. Okay. And then a couple of years ago, the yeah, internet. so finally, the, finally you can start hearing about this stuff, but when, so did you, Ben, you said you knew about Cleveland. Did did either of you find out about the Boston one recently, or how did do they contact you when these uh, get found? Uh, yeah, which is um, the uh, guy. Well, no, Sandy. Sandy called me because Sandy told me that she was going to be in a documentary uh, or a TV show for was it the Discovery Channel? So I, oh, yeah, right, Expedition. So I watched it, and there's Karen Blair, you know, and stuff. Um, so that's how I really knew. I didn't know that one had been found. Sandy, you know, it's it's she doesn't really think about it much uh, at all. But um, she's she's very happy that that it has a life. I mean, she said, if, you know, if Byron was alive, he'd say, let's do a secret too. I mean, you know, 
um, that's the way he was. So would you guys uh, be involved in a secret too? What's that? Would you be involved in a secret too? Uh, I don't know. I have no comment. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't. You need young people for that. Nice mm. youth. You need youth. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What? Don't say young people. Come on. We're, we're seasoned pros. Don't yeah, forget. 70, I'm going to be 75 this year. I don't think so. So what? Um, you know, the um, John Michaels was the person that, and he wrote to me and he was so sweet. And, yeah. You know, otherwise I would not have known anything. I didn't know about the first cask that was found. I didn't know about the next cask that was found. Mm. I did know about the Boston one because I had already been introduced to the fact that there were people looking for these treasures. Right. So I, I wouldn't have known anything if he hadn't contacted me. Um, yeah, JM has had brought, I don't, he's the reason I'm sitting here right now. Um, well, I wouldn't have known any of you either. You know, I wouldn't have known, you know, George. <laughs> I wouldn't have known, and, you know. um, and then uh, my other question is, um, why do you think it's been so long? Or wait, why have only three been found? Maybe uh, people aren't that smart. I don't know. Probably no. us. Uh, I, I, I like really it. don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, I have not read the book, okay? I remember George Raff once said, I never saw one of my movies. And I, I didn't believe him, but I've never read The Secret. I've read a couple of paragraphs here and there. It's not good. It's not like it's The Hobbit <laughs> or Moby Dick. But right, right. Well... No. No. The art is amazing. The writing, uh, <laughs> oh, it's probably hard to write a puzzle book too. I mean, you know, especially if you haven't yeah. done that before. Well, I just, uh, yeah. You just wrote something, George, that was interesting about the possibility that um, uh, Sean Kelly might have had something else in his head you know, earlier and then maybe Byron combined. So what they were doing, um, Sean Kelly wrote a book about, it was Fairies of Central Park, I believe is what it was called. And it was modeled after another book, which is, hang on. It's probably a book Joellen has. Uh, Masquerade. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, that was what Byron modeled the treasure hunt after what Sean Kelly modeled his was after a field guide to the little people oh, by wow. Nancy Aerosmith. So this book is, it's completely laid out the same way as the secret. Each, each fairy in it's listed. Um, it's got, you know, their habitat, their identification, all of that. So it, Sean Kelly was basically writing a, a parody of this. Um, and he called it the field, Fair People of Central Park, I believe is what it was called. But he couldn't get it published. Um, and Byron sort of took it and packaged it with a treasure hunt. And that's oh, I that's see. how the secret came to be. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting to read, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen this, Joel? And this is right up your alley. Yeah. The Field Guide to the Little People. No, I'll, read Smith. I'll send you a copy. Oh. It, it is legitimately like the arts gorgeous um the descriptions of some some of the descriptions of fairies seem almost like the secret almost seems to just lift them right <laughs> right out of this book so um it's well, nice let's check out parodies uh, you know 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially like 80s satire parodies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Lift, lifted whole cloth sometimes. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I don't know what else to tell you, except I found another piece of paper that said, um, uh, like, um, which ones should be male and which ones should be female. <laughs> like the filthy hobbit had to be male. Team spirit had to be female. The culture vulture, female. Small business men, obviously male. So. Huh. Those were information that Byron had given me that he wanted, you know. But he had some pretty strict parameters around these things then, hey, like around the creation of the, um, the soft sculptures and stuff or like, he didn't just no. tell you make me a make me one based on this name, right? It was well, he didn't, but he didn't he didn't ever put any. Um, there were no there were parameters, but they were like five miles across. Right. Like if he gave me, um, you know, some kind of combination of um, what he had um, he had um, xeroxed a whole book about uh, fantastical creatures, like um, I don't know. Like gnomes you know. and things like that. Yeah, the mythological monsters. So he gave me all of that. <laughs> and um, and so he would maybe tell me something like, obviously the small businessman. That was really easy. It was a small businessman. <laughs> well, actually, it was based on a very famous malpractice attorney, and they, and the Daily News would always have pictures of this guy running down the steps of 60 Center Street in Manhattan, which is actually the building they use in the opening credits of Law and Order. Right, that's right. And I recognize it. <laughs> the- you know, I've gotten a lot of emails and messengers on Facebook from people that say to me, when you shot the small businessman when he's from the back going down the stairs, why didn't you get the World Trade Center in there? Didn't, didn't Byron want the World Trade Center in there? And I said, well, first of all, it was about the small businessman. And he never mentioned the World Trade Center. If I had gotten the World Trade Center in there, the small businessman wouldn't have been a small businessman. He would have been like a molecule in the photograph, okay? I mean, the small businessman was a cute little old guy with a hat and a, a cache case. And do, do people contact you too a lot? No. They contact well, they contact me more because I guess I was the photographer, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe Joe Ellen's harder to find. I think Joe Ellen's hard, actually harder to find. I've gotten a couple um, uh, a couple of uh, messages from people. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I got them, maybe on my website. Um, um, I, I responded to, I respond to people because, you know. I don't have anything to tell them, but you know, thank you for contacting me. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think before the podcast ever started, Rachel emailed Joellen. Yes. To try to to try to buy um, sculptures from the secret, and I don't think we ever got a response. I don't have anything. That's yeah. You know, That's probably looking, why. I've been looking and looking somewhere in this house. It, wow, it's windy out. We just had a. You know, we have like four inches of snow. Um, oh, wow. Somewhere I have the head of the filthy hobbit and the head of the Philadelphia 
I mean the Philharmonic Orc and the, the succubus. When I moved out of my apartment in New York, I couldn't carry all these things, so I decapitated them all and you know, I just kept the heads because I liked the heads. <laughs> somewhere in this house, but I haven't found them. We've He's only got a collection been here. of heads sitting in a box somewhere. <laughs> They're not small. They're big. Yeah. So uh, we, were, we were talking earlier about the small business maybe based on a specific person, but none of the other none of the other um, sculptures were. Byron didn't give you like make uh, I don't know boogeyman for Miles Davis or whoever you know. No, he didn't. The only thing that occasionally he did, he had an image probably in his head that he was trying to transmit, like. Uh, the evil necromancer, which was a little white, very white-skinned kind of vampire-y female. Um, he, he, he had an image in his head. I don't think I ever quite got what he wanted, but it didn't seem to matter. You know, he accepted what I had done. But um, That's Being very specific about the gender of the creature is odd. Yeah, the genders. I thought that was... Teenage, teenagers. It said male or female. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. A teenager wouldn't have shot in front of a car, probably. You know, it's... Doesn't... Could have been more than one that he was thinking of. I don't yeah. know. I don't... Sorry. The only other thing that I have is... Um, I have a list of various different uh, creatures... And they all have initials, either John Perard, uh, me, or John uh, Jude Palancar. And um, they're in front of the different uh, creatures. And there's, um, he had a, I can't find it. He had a, uh, a plus sign or, or a one half indication. And I'm trying to remember what, it just meant, um, I'll have to, you know, I'll, you forget about that, and I'll have to find the other piece of paper. <laughs> but it, it, it had a, it was like, um, uh, uh, I forget what it's called. When you make a little, uh, you decide uh, that, you know, uh, one half equals just text or. Uh, like a legend? Yeah, it's like a legend, but. Um, for some reason, and I looked at them all and I tried to figure it out. I knew which ones I did, typographical terrors and Mother's Little Helpers. I have no idea what Mother's Little Helpers are. Some of these were renamed, I think. <laughs> that must be it because that's drawing a blank. <laughs> anyway. But... Would you be willing to send us photos of any of those sheets of paper or is that too much to ask? Because I'm kind of curious. Sure. I would that be first nice. one you were talking about is very interesting. Yeah. Okay. In fact, that so, whole sheet. Okay. So one half equals no text. One quarter equals no art. And plus equals no text, no art. So th this is the one that you probably want. And it just says, uh, JT, that's me. Plus, that meant that no text, no art. So I didn't make those. But I actually did make those. <laughs> so 
I don't know. <laughs> you know it, it, it sounds it sounds to me like he's talking about layout. Yeah, it sounds like layout. Layout. Some sort How the page of is going to look, kind of okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it could be the half, because some of them are full shots of the of the sculptures or full page drawings. Some are half page. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like the first page of the small businessman is just like this much of the bottom of the page of a picture, and then yeah. the back of it is the full picture of him at the steps. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because I, I, like I said, I never read the book, <laughs> so I equate later. It looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when I was looking for stuff yesterday and talking to Ben, I found a copy of the book. <laughs> my bookshelf that's right here, you know. Is yours signed by Byron? No, there's no somebody signature. somebody bought one signed by Byron like fifteen wow. years ago for twenty bucks. Wow. And that's the only one we've ever I've ever seen that isn't from someone who found a cast that has one signed by Byron. I have a book that's signed by Byron, but it's not a secret book. It's called Making Soft Toys and Dolls. <laughs> it he put out that book? No, he didn't. He thought I might like it. Right, <laughs> it said, right. I thought this might be of interest. Byron. <laughs> that was Byron. That was Byron. He, he was very thoughtful. I, I was telling Ben that one day he... he I guess he knew I, at the time I, I must have mentioned wind-up toys. He said, okay, let's, I, I'm going to take you someplace. So he took me to this store called The Last Wound-Up yeah. on uh, the west side, maybe west on side. Columbus or somewhere. Columbus Avenue, I think. And he got me these two wind-up Having trouble. So now this is a, a private detective, you know. So it's a secret, and this is a dinosaur, which was his other wonderful book that he had done. So that was really nice. He was very kind. Uh, yeah. We didn't know each other very well, but you know, we worked together, so it was very thoughtful. One of the questions that we had in here was, "What was your favorite memory of Byron?" For me, it was going to that last roundup. It was so very kind it was so touching that you know you know for no reason at all really ben's gonna come up with something like well byron punched me in the face <laughs> <laughs> byron was not a violent person whatsoever i mean i have a couple of things i mean taking my kids and his kids at the time driving out to coney island in fact george owns a print of mine the wonder wheel um he loved Coney Island. And I said that once on a podcast. It might have been the first one. Of course, everyone starts saying, well, do you think he buried something in Coney Island? I have no idea. <laughs> I always say that. And you know what? On a Saturday, Sunday, he and Sandy and his kids and my kids, we we get together and go to a diner called the Jackson Hole up on uh, Madison Avenue and 92nd Street to have a burger just sit around French fries. He always came to my apartment with a couple of comic books for my kids. I mean, like always. <laughs> Never did he ever come here without a comic book. My grandmother came with cake, you know? He came with comic books. And um, just, you know, and he, we went to bookstores with him and, um, you know, he was just a very, very dear friend who, um, it's all fond memories. You know, I don't have any bad memories. I have some very good friends. I have a few. I bet, you know, I better end it there, actually. Um, 
but he was just a great guy. Um, he, and he was a kid. He was, a, I mean, if there was a room of adults and there were kids in the room, he'd go over to the kids. Uh, and he did a lot of great books for kids, you know, way before his time. He did all the celebrity books, you know, Seinfeld and Paul Simon and uh, Joni Mitchell did a children's book with them. He loved kids and he helped kids a lot, especially in Philadelphia when he was still in college. He wrote a whole comic book for kids so they could learn how to read. Yeah, he was he was way ahead of his time when way it came to kids on time. all fronts. Like he, I mean, the video games that he did way ahead of their time. I never heard of Pac Man, and then I went to his house in Long Island once during the summer. I got to show you this new toy, <laughs> Pac Man. I'm going like, what the hell is Pac Man? You know, and my kids were like addicted to it so quickly. <laughs> it was like, you know. But he was doing those choose your own adventure stories also. That's how I think I got involved because at the time my boyfriend was working on those. Those choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Those yeah. I was addicted to them. I would check yes. if they were in the library, I would check out each and every one and go on an adventure huh? in those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. you could say you would choose, would choose your adventure. Choose hey, which way, <laughs> they, my adventures choose me, Cole. Sure. sure. Um, <laughs> see, the only other question that I had in here um, was, uh, I, I guess, since you guys didn't know, even casks were even found. I was curious if you knew about the other translations for the secret. Did you know that your work was translated into J Japanese? Yeah. Twice. Yes, I have a copy of that. W of which one? Because there's two. Is is it? Really? Are, those, are they different? Yeah. Yeah. Like from each other? Yeah. Kind of. Hang on. Really? Yeah. Well, here's my copy right here. This is, this is my copy. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's quite a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Two uh, different books, two different covers, uh, two different... It's not an ISBN, but two different numbers. The only thing that's really different in them is the flyleaf... Like the cover page, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Text of the book's the same. And, but actually, the entire text of the back of the book um, was left out. It's just. Well, mine but the pictures mine signed, by, mine signed by the Emperor of Japan, though. Nice. Mine's <laughs> signed by John Jude Palancar. I don't, I don't know who he is. Yeah. Well, it was really fun working with everybody, even though I hardly got to see them. But, um, well, I promise you, I know nothing. That's fine. Nothing. That's fine. I'm getting I'm getting that. I'm getting Ben probably knows nothing. John probably knows everything. Yeah, he probably knows everything. <laughs> I really don't. I could get up on him. <laughs> anyway, thank you for having us on your podcast. It was really fun. Really appreciate it.